So today we will be talking about Long Shot starring Seth Rogen and Charlize Theron. We will be looking at some independent films and, of course, talking about the summer movie season. Stay tuned. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to LAOFCS Weekly. I, of course, am Scott Menzel. Welcome back to the show. Uh, We've been really appreciating the feedback, the share, the love on this show for the last couple of weeks. Um, I think everyone's really liking the revamp of the show. And uh, we're going to continue that programming uh, into the next couple weeks and also the months ahead, right up until... Award season starts once again, and then it'll go to <laughs> chaos yet again. Uh, so joining me this week, uh, we have not seen this man on the show in quite some time, but he is one of the founders of Battleship Pretension, and that, of course, is David Bex. Thank you for having me. Glad to be back. Where can they find you? You can find Battleship Pretension at BattleshipPretension.com, and you can find me on Twitter at Davy Pretension. Awesome. And then, of course, the the man, the myth, the legend, the Rama. Uh, the Rama screen. Still, I'm still voting for the Rama wire. I will continue to do that. If you want to see any press release, this gentleman, even on his vacation, gets up at 6 o'clock in the morning to post press releases. You hear that, studios? Six o'clock in the morning. He's at South by, needing to go to screenings, and he's still up at six o'clock. But anyhow, it is Rama of Rama Screen. Well, good to be back, my friend. Thank you for having me on again. And uh, you can find me at youtube.com slash ramascreen1. Awesome. <laughs> so uh, how the show is going to work this week, uh, as as you guys are well aware at this point, uh, we're going to do three different segments. We always start off with the movie pick of the week, and then we move into a um, rotating segment, which is going to be about indies this week. And then we're going to finally uh, end the show on the summer movie season because, yes, it's, it is upon us. Endgame kind of was the official kicking off point. I love that Disney can somehow... Uh, move summer up a week somehow or back a week whatever it is uh it's just always amazing what they can get away with um but hell they did it two years in a row so i guess now the last week of april is the official start of summer so we're going to talk about other movies that we're excited about that are not in game um so as if you're new to the show we do the um movie pick of the week each week and how this works is we go into our facebook page we have our own little private group on facebook uh either myself or one of the members this week aaron new newworth was able to uh post all the movies and then we vote on them so there was quite a few films out this re- uh this week uh we even had a little bit of uh, a kind of debate because the movie nonfiction uh, actually opens in New York this week and L.A. Ooh. next week. And a lot of people wanted to vote for this film. But we have to throw that into the mix next week because it's not in L.A. this week. It is. It's not officially opening this week. But the Arrow, if you're in Los Angeles, the Arrow Theater in Santa Monica is showing Olivier Assayas' nonfiction, one of the best movies of the year so far, tonight at 730 it would have been my vote uh, if it didn't get taken off the thing. But uh, it's a really, really great movie. Yes. Wow. And uh, I saw that at Toronto, uh, and I also really enjoyed it. Um, he is just a, a dynamite director. Absolutely. I, mean, uh, I love Personal Shopper mm-hmm. and uh, Clouds of Sils Maria. Just yeah. two incredible films that just really under the radar. 
and his uh, he did that TV miniseries Carlos. Uh, going back to the '90s, he did Irma Vep, and he did uh, Late August, Early September, which was the first movie that I saw when I was in high school. The first of his. I've been following his career. I, I honestly think that in the decades to come, he will be looked back on as one of the greats who is working at this time. And nonfiction is right up there. Awesome. So if you're in L.A., uh, go over to Santa Monica, Arrow Theater. Tonight, there's an early screening of it, 7.30, right? Mm -hmm. So go check it out. Um, Some of the other movies coming out this week, um, if you guys want to chime in and talk about these, by all means, feel free. Uh, There's a documentary from Magnolia called Ask Dr. Ruth. Um, oh, I missed out on that. You, you I, missed out that. On, I yeah. wanted to see it too. Yeah. It was at one of the festivals. I missed out on it. Uh, STX is releasing Ugly Dolls, which, um, um, yep, uh, it's not. It's not good. But I will say this. Yeah. Have, have you, either of you seen no, Ugly Dolls? I have not. I've seen it. It had. I don't know if you picked up on it. It has a Miller's Crossing reference, like a very specific oh. Miller's Crossing <laughs> reference. There's a line of dialogue repeated from Miller's Crossing. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. And I was, I, it was so far into the movie that I was like practically checked out because it's not a good movie. But I, I, I perked up. I was like, <laughs> some weirdo on the writing staff <laughs> made sure to get their Miller's Crossing reference it, it, into Ugly Dolls. It's one of those movies that just means well. It means yeah, well. Sure. The intention's yeah. good, you know, but the you know, ugly and versus perfect. But yeah, like you said, it's, it's just not good. You know, <laughs> yeah, and, and as someone who like loves, you know, this, there's no dis- surprise here that I love movies that focus on music. I, this movie, like, it, I could not even motivate myself to go to a screening. I, I just, it just looks like it looked like a made-for-TV movie, and I'm kind of like, why is this coming out? <laughs> no one's going to see this. Kids deserve better. Families deserve better. Parents deserve better. I mean, I, I mean, I'm judging the film based on the trailer, but like all the reactions that I've heard. And for me to not even be able to sell me a musical movie, and I love pop music and everything like that, like that's a pretty bad sign because I'm pretty easy going with it. Last one's uh, yeah. It goes to what you said about Mary Poppins. Uh, Ugly Dolls uh, did the same uh, thing, commit the same thing where they they would stop just for the song instead of the song moving the story forward. They just like stop and let's let's check out the song and dance number. You know what I'm saying? The oh, story yeah. would stop occasionally for that. Not a not a good way to do a music. Mary Poppins yeah. returns us that. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my God, Mary Poppins! Yeah. I, I watched, tried to watch Mary Poppins. On, we're so getting off track, but it's okay. Uh, but uh, I tried to watch Mary Poppins Returns on my plane uh, yeah. home from Chicago uh, earlier this week, and I literally got about thirty minutes, and I'm like, I cannot watch this. Like, I cannot watch this. It's just like it, it's just the stories. Oh, I, I don't. Even, I won't go into it. But, I'm on your camp. Yeah, Jesus. Um, and then we also have The Intruder, which is the latest film from Dion Taylor. <laughs> did you Did you see it? I saw it. Did you like it? It was hilarious because uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was, I don't think that's a that's a recommendation. It's a, it's a stalker thriller, right? And you're expecting something like single white female, but uh, Dennis Quaid is just so entertainingly creepy this one so despite it being bad uh, as a movie uh, over overall he is just hilarious <laughs> it's it's so weird to me because um I, dion and i i've met dion multiple times and i, I think he yeah. you know he's a self-taught filmmaker and 
I see the potential in, in, in you know in his direction for sure, and especially if you watched uh, Traffic versus this one. I mean, this is like miles better in terms of filmmaking and oh, everything. Yeah. So much better. Um, I don't know why. Maybe I was just in like a laid back mood, but like I like was entertained by it. Like I, again, I would not say that it's like a great film. It's funny. But it's like he grew. Like Dion has definitely grown as a director. And Dennis Quaid, like, just oh. so committed to the movie of being, like, this creep. And it, it just works for just being an entertaining film. And it's one that you have to see, if you're going to see it, see it in a the theater, mm-hmm. because it's all about the freaking reaction around you. I mean, I, <laughs> I got the guy stand up like, yeah, yeah. Like, that's the kind of stuff that, like, makes me want to go to a movie to see a movie like this. And, and Dennis Quaid makes the funniest faces. Like, like <laughs> he smiles like this, like... You like when he had the shining reference? Yeah. He likes from the door. Like he would take off his shirt while watching her. I was like, what? "Yeah, it's so the funny. creepy bathroom sequence." Yeah, mm-hmm. you missed out on this one. I did miss out yeah, on this one. one. Okay, yeah, it'll be on Blu-ray in three weeks. So you can catch it back <laughs> under the uh, "so bad it's funny" category. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then um, I, I have not heard of this, uh, David. Maybe you have El Chicano. Uh, I, I've heard of it, I didn't see but it. no one has seen it. No, I, it's kind of like a vigilante type of yeah, movie. It yeah. came out at the LA Film Festival last year, but I didn't get uh, to okay. see that. I wanted to, but I didn't. It's weird. It's opening in six, 600 theaters, and I have none of us have seen it, and I have not heard well, a I, single I, peep about this. I talk about it with my friends uh, who have seen it, and uh, we agree that it's bad marketing. You know, We want to push for the uh, Latino-American stories like this uh, because Cinco de Mayo is around the corner, but... Uh, uh, it's a, it's not a summer movie, and it's gonna you know uh, drowning. It's gonna get drowning in the middle of every or a sea of blockbusters, especially mm-hmm. Endgame second week. Oh my god! Yeah, so it's not. I should have been like an August movie or September movie. Yeah. So now it's time to reveal the actual movie pick of the week, which yeah. is which is Long Shot, the latest film from Jonathan Levine, which uh, you and me, Rama, saw at South by Southwest. <laughs> And uh, I'm going to throw this over to David to kind of yeah. introduce the film a little bit. So, uh, Long Shot is, uh, yeah, Jonathan Levine, who's best known uh, for probably, he did 50-50, he did Warm Bodies. His last one, I think, was The Night Before. Yes. Um, so he's worked with, uh, obviously, um, Seth Rogen before. This is, uh, I feel like the log line that I'm hearing a lot of people is, it's like, oh, it's a return to Knocked Up, because it's about Seth Rogen playing a kind of, like, slovenly guy paired up with this very elegant woman but i honestly think that's not fair to the movie it's not because um it's a much uh, as much as i like not knocked up it's a much better character this time seth rogan plays a uh a, a fiery impassioned uh, dedicated uh investigative journalist very left-wing investigative journalist uh who loses his job and uh while on a sort of uh celebratory slash Grieving Bender after uh, facilitated by his very rich friend played by uh, O'Shea Jackson Jr., who's great in the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, he finds himself at a, a swanky fundraiser and runs into the Secretary of State, who also happened to be his old babysitter. Uh, and they go on a globetrotting uh, uh, romance that I think is uh, incredibly sweet, actually very, very funny, um, and a really uh, nuanced and balanced look uh, of at, at two flawed but very lovable characters with great chemistry uh i really was kind of kind of surprised by how much i loved this movie you and me both yeah because <laughs> i will go on record and i'm sorry seth rogan like 
I really like Seth Rogen when he's kind of like toned down okay. and when he he doesn't play up the raunchy factor. Um, where he he actually lets his personality and his charisma kind of shine. Okay. And that's how I felt about this movie, and I felt that about his performance in this film. It's what separates this movie from something like Neighbors, is that it just... He's he's not pushing the envelope, and he's just doing it naturally. It seems like he's kind of just naturally fit for the role. And the other ones, it's just so over the top. That I feel like it's it's all about like oh what's the joke going to be what's next but when he delivers dialogue in this film it just comes across as so natural which then again makes it that much more funny and I think that goes back to what I was saying about uh, unlike and even when I like the Seth Rogen movies the the Seth Rogen character is usually just kind of like Seth Rogen and it's yeah. defined by like the raunchiness or the like he gets high or whatever like sort of like this is a real character who yes. has a real outlook has desires in life has values. You know that he will and will not compromise over the course of of the movie. It's a it, it's it's it was again really surprising to me. Yeah. <laughs> How about you, said. Rama? Um, I like the story and I like the characters for the very reason that David just said. Um, so kudos to that. Uh, but I did not enjoy it as a comedy. <laughs> wow. Many uh, and you know it's it's not it's to nobody's fault. Comedy is relative. Like uh, I find UHF with Weird Al Yankovic. Uh, terrible, but my uncle finds it funny. And he finds it funny. It's a great exactly, movie. But he finds my taste for, for South Park uh, horrendous. I like South Park. So, uh, you also it, like Good Boys, right? <laughs> exactly. So, good boys. This is where we're going right now. He liked Good Boys, one of the worst movies of the year. So, but, but I really like Long Shot Story. And I'm a big fan of, of course, uh, pairing up the nerd with the hottie because I was a nerd who never got the hottie, never, uh, still don't. So. <laughs> So, so for those reasons, I like them. But the jokes most of the time fell uh, flat for me, uh, except for that one part where he wore the Swedish costume. Where was it? The Captain Crunch. There you go. Captain Crunch. Crunch. Yeah, <laughs> that yeah. one got or me. Or the uh, ca- uh, valet in Candyland. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and he spoke to another guy that's wearing the same thing. Uh, that that <laughs> that really got me. I was rolling on the floor for that and one. And Charlie's when Charlie's there and sees him in the outfit, you'd think. <laughs> you think that the spit take as a as as a joke is worn out? She does an all time great spit take yes. in that moment. <laughs> but I, I don't I don't get the part like about the Woody Harrelson uh, being one of the few TV stars that maybe into booby stars. Like okay, <laughs> like, oh my god, you're just you didn't the... laugh at the Jennifer Aniston joke because that was brilliant. <laughs> you're just yeah. standing the obvious. That's to me. That's just standing the obvious. I was like, yes, I'm I, sorry, but that's me. <laughs> I love him. I definitely loved the Jen- making fun of Jennifer Aniston's ability to cross over to movies in a movie that Lisa Kudrow was in. Which yeah, is very funny to me. yeah. Uh, um, I mean, really, and I'm, I'm curious if you feel this way because I think it's it's probably we're all going to feel the same way. Um, obviously, for you and me, I feel like the the writing and the jokes hit because it doesn't seem like the standard comedy formula. It's all it's all about the delivery and all about the quality of dialogue being driven. As opposed to the gag mm-hmm. that's oh, being yeah, yeah. presented, which I think is very refreshing nowadays. But to me, what the biggest surprise is, is on paper, when you see the trailer, and also when you see the trailer for this movie, Charlize Theron and Seth Rogen do not look like they belong together. Uh-huh. Like, they do not fit whatsoever. <laughs> and, and that was the hard sell, I think, about the marketing. And I think that's why they've been pushing this movie really, really hard. But it's almost electrifying how good they are together yeah. and how they just that 
it happens like this. You just buy into them and you root for them. And I think that's what's that was that's what makes this movie really stand out. Yeah, it, absolutely, it works. It's not just a very funny, uh, very R-rated comedy. Uh, it's a romantic comedy, and the romance actually works. Their chemistry is palpable. Uh, it also like some of the best romantic comedies. I want to mention the supporting cast is great. You've got June Dan Raphael mm-hmm. and Ravi Patel as her advisors. You've got Bob Odenkirk as the president. I mentioned Lisa Kudrow has a one scene uh, cameo. I mentioned O'Shea Jackson Jr. who's hilarious. A lot of the biggest laughs for me of the movie came from O'Shea Jackson Jr. I think uh, a lot of great romantic comedies are often end up being defined by you think of like bruno kirby and 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 carrie fisher and when harry met sally like the supporting cast is uh often the bedrock of the comedy and romantic comedies and this one delivers on that yeah no i completely agree and i i'm i I mentioned this on the show i did earlier uh what is taking so long for o'shea jackson jr to be in more movies (laughs) seriously i mean I think back to, like, Ingrid Goes West, and, I mean, he stole that movie from Mm -hmm. everyone else in it. And, I mean, there was that, oh, what was that terrible SDX movie from, like, two years ago? But he was, like, the highlight of it. Yeah, uh, Den of Thieves. Yeah. Yeah. He was, like, the the highlight of it. And he he just has this great charisma, and he can kind of be anything. He has, he's he's very versatile as an actor, and I agree with you. Good, may I ask you guys, so what was different about the pairing up of Seth Rogen and Charlie Theron compared to Seth MacFarlane and Charlie Theron in that Western comedy a few years ago? Do you remember that? Oh, my God. I, I didn't mean, see that one. Is okay, the, okay. That's the I main difference ask. for me. Is that <laughs> 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 oh. I, I was wondering like, why that why this one worked compared to that one. Uh, but did you see that I one? I think that, yeah, I hated yeah. that movie. <laughs> uh, <laughs> which, again, like, Seth, you know, Seth MacFarlane, I think, has always been hit or, hit or miss. You oh, know, yeah. I lo- like the first couple of seasons of Family Guy, I think, are some some great. But he's another funny guy. You he know? Had, he like, is, Seth but, but, but the guy. thing is, it's just, I think with that, that movie was, it wanted so badly to be this generation's Blazing Saddles. I know, like, oh. that's, like, was the quote that everyone kind of, <laughs> everyone used. But... For how, as much as Seth MacFarlane loves pop culture, that movie was just so lazy and yeah. like juvenile. I agree. It was so juvenile. And obviously, Charlize Theron loves doing comedy. And she can do the dark comedy, as we've seen in Tully and Young Adult. And then she can do something more along this line, mm. where it's like kind of like this all about the chemistry and the line delivery. But with that movie, I feel like she had nothing. She didn't have the chemistry with him. The line dialogue was cringeworthy. Oh, that's true. So there was nothing really to go on. And I just, I mean, that's, that's a movie where the, the joke, re- wasn't there a joke going on about, like, shitting in hats? <laughs> yeah. Like, that was literally, like, they used that as a repetitive gag in that movie. They kept throwing it on the wall. And, and they had sick. Sarah Silverman playing a whore. Like, it's like... It, this is like stuff where I feel like a 12-year-old would be writing, you know, like, what is my dream of making a movie? This is what I want to make, and I want to see it. Like that, That's why, for me. So. Yeah, I agree, agree, agree. Okay. Um, any final words on Longshot? Um, I, I like to see a romantic comedy that, even though Seth Rogen's character, Fled, we haven't said his name, Fred Flarsky. Oh, um, Fred. Which you have to say, because apparently the, the screenplay was just called Flarsky for yes. years. Um uh, even though he's the lead, it, it is a romantic comedy that's about two fully formed people, and it's not just about them making eyes at each other. They actually learn things from one another. You know, they have sort of competing character flaws in that he's too stubborn and she's maybe too willing to to compromise, and they 
they make each other better people, and I, I, I think that's uh, it, as outlandish as some of the the gags in the movie are, and obviously some of the globe trotting. Um, I found it a very re- relatable, believable relationship at its center. And and Jonathan Levine, man, he's, he's a great storyteller. Uh, I, I'm a big fan of the Wackness. Remember that? I never oh saw yeah, that. yeah, that was that was a great movie. So he, he he's uh, when it comes to storytelling, he's good. Okay, um, and I would I I really. I think it'll be hard to top this movie as one of the funniest mainstream movies this year. I really do feel that way. Um, you were sitting next to me. I am normally a tough sell when it comes to mainstream comedies nowadays, <laughs> but I just really enjoyed the hell out of this movie, and I can't recommend it enough. I hope it does okay this weekend. I know it's going up against Endgame, which, you know, that movie's going to dominate again, but hopefully enough people will see this one. So, um, with... Long shot now behind us. We want to kind of jump into um, independent films. Uh, we always did a segment on this show called Independent Spotlight. Um, we There's so much about Disney nowadays and, like, big studios. <laughs> and I'm sorry if it seems like I'm shitting on Disney, but it's just, like, they have so much of the marketplace nowadays. It's kind of, like, hard to, like, look at anything else because they just... Bought, bought a fox, and it's yeah. like they ingrained all their products. And I, I mean, everything. I just looking at this summer, which we'll talk about later. It's just <laughs> like one movie after another. It's theirs, you know. That we want to step back and we want to look at all these 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 smaller films, which <clears throat> I think are like some of the best movies typically each and every year, mm. you know. And I'm I'm glad we have David Bax because David Bax is 100% uh, uh, independent supporter, just like our, <laughs> just like our friends uh, Morgan Rojas and Steven Saito. You know, and that's what I love about this organization is that we have film critics who love film of all different kinds. It's not just about the mainstream. We have a nice group of people who actually dig into the art house and really dissect them. So um, I will once again start with you. Uh, what is uh, one or two films that you think people should check out that are indies? Uh, well, I'm, I guess I, I mentioned nonfiction. Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> for sure. Um, the other stuff that's coming out, the, there's a couple things coming out this week online. Uh, there's uh, on Net- Netflix has knocked down the house, which is a documentary in which this, uh, the documentarian uh, Rachel Lears is her name uh, chose to follow in the 2018 uh, primary season to follow four female Democrats who were challenging incumbent Democrats in their districts. And as luck would have it, one of them she happened to pick was Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who, who won and has become you know, a, a lightning rod and an inspiration to a lot of people. And so you get to follow these four women and, you know, spoilers, three of them lose their primaries, <laughs> but one of them uh, wins. And even the ones who don't win, it's a very inspiring, I, I think, obviously... You know, they're all Democrats. If you're a Democrat, you're coming from that point of view. I happen to uh, agree with <laughs> with their politics. But even if you don't, this is a great movie, a, a documentary, an inspirational portrait of what grassroots uh, campaigning can do and how uh, people from the working class and from the people can, can take down these sort of entrenched uh, politicians. And if you're just like me, a, a bit of a politics nerd, it's just a campaign documentary, which is great. Um the other movie I want to uh, uh, recommend is it's not the other Netflix movie because I did not like the uh, Zac Efron type funny <laughs> movie I saw. That. I don't know if you saw Same, that at Sundance. Uh, I hated it. Too. Yeah, I did not care for that. But um, another movie that's uh, available on uh, to rent on VOD that I saw. You mentioned LA Film Fest, uh, mm-hmm. R.I.P. LA Film Fest. But at the last <laughs> one, I saw a movie called Softness of Bodies, which is uh, it's a it's a tiny little movie. It's a very 
very dry, very caustic, kind of dark dramedy uh, about an incredibly narcissistic young American woman living in Berlin and um, trying to uh, become a poet. And uh, part of the joke of the movie is that uh, uh, there's like a murder investigation in the movie that in any other movie would be the plot of the movie, but because she's so self-involved, all she cares about is the poetry competition. Yeah, I saw oh. that one. <laughs> you saw that I one? I saw that one, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's really it good. really took me by surprise. It's one, <laughs> one of the better things I saw. Dasha, at, I think her uh, name. Uh, yeah, I came yeah. with the... Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so that's really good. And then, and then one to look out for coming up is a, a British movie called Wild Rose. Mm. Um, it stars Jesse Buckley, who last year was in a movie called Beast that was really good. Um, but Wild Rose is a much more uh, sort of mainstream, conventional type of type of thing that I guess I'm feeling with with fighting with my family earlier this year, and now Wild Rose. The sort of the the Brits just seem good at taking these sort of formulaic, inspirational stories and making something real and deep with them, while still being crowd pleasing. Jesse Buckley in Wild Rose plays a young woman whose desire is to move to Nashville and become a country star, but she's this. Uh, poor um, uh, uh, Scottish woman who's been to jail for drug smuggling. She's like her life is not great <laughs> um, at all, uh, and yet the movie is uh, very funny. Has a ton of good mu- music in it. Has a uh, tiny cameo from Casey Musgraves, who won the uh, Grammy for best album last ah. year. Um, uh, and so yeah, definitely. And, and I think this this woman Jesse Buckley. Um, was so good in Beast. If, that, if, you, if you can check that out, uh, find that. That one's a little bit less conventional, a little bit more challenging. That's a, a weird dark movie. Dark, yeah. yeah, but I like yeah. that. And uh, she's fantastic in, in Wild Rose. I really think she's uh, uh, like O'Shea Jackson Jr. Maybe someone can po- pair up O'Shea Jackson Jr. <laughs> and Jesse Buckley and give them the, the star vehicles they, de- they deserve. Uh, but Wild Rose is great. Awesome. That's coming out from Neon, right? Yes, that's in a couple weeks. In, yeah, June, I think. Okay. Yeah. Rama? Uh, yeah, I only saw a few this past week. Knocked Down the House is one of them, uh, so I want to talk uh, also about that. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a progressive. I'm a big fan of the Young Turks and Justice Democrats. So for those of us, uh, stories of AOC, Cori Bush, Amy Villela, and uh, uh, Paul George was were, were nothing new. And so this this documentary, what I find it very effective, it, it shows the camaraderie be- between all of them. That's the part where it really got me, you know, when when they uh, actually, you know, get together and encourage each other, you know, even though they're like from different states. Uh, and it goes to show that this, uh, even though three of them lose, you know, their camaraderie show that um, that this this is a movement that goes beyond that. That you know, it's not going to die just because a few of them lost the elections. And so that I find that to be inspiring. And uh, the only criticism I have is that. Um, too much focus on AOC, you know. Then they should have titled AOC the documentary instead of <laughs> yeah. Knocking the House. I think the the maybe maybe Rachel. I feel like Rachel's like stressed too thin um, as far as the other three women is are, are concerned. So that's my only criticism. But I love it overall. No matter what where you are on the political spectrum, go check it out because it's inspiring. Especially if you are citizens of the United States of America, um, that's probably the only one I want to recommend this week. The other one, uh, the, the only other independent movie I saw was Zac Efron, and I did not—I do not want to recommend that one. That one was just a reenactment of the events that happened, and there was no digging or exploration in, in, as to why Ted Bundy did what he did. And um, 
And it was just like, and then they showed the footage at the end. Oh, they recreated that part. Or I, they hate recreated that. Part. I hate that. Yeah. I hate movies. Because uh, Ar- Argo did the same thing. Like over the end oh, credits, yes, it's like, here's the real thing. And it's like, oh, what am I supposed to be like? Oh, I like the movie even more now because <laughs> your production design was so whatever. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, so I, I feel like it's just like that Steve Jobs movie with Ashton Kutcher. And then Danny Wall came in and it's like, this is how it's done. You know, with Michael Fassbender. I feel like I'm just anticipating for the actual better bolder tent bundy movie down the road <laughs> so yeah it's interesting because i actually like the movie um you know I, I feel like you're shitting on it but it's i i mean i i totally get it I, with that being said i i did have a question for you guys do you feel like the movie I, we've we've noticed this a lot lately especially because all of us are always on freaking twitter and in this world <laughs> do you feel like this is a case where maybe not for you personally, but for a lot of people, where the movie is not what people were expecting, so therefore they don't like it. Kind of like how like people wanted Bohemian Rhapsody to be one way, and it was the other way, and then people cannot appreciate Bohemian Rhapsody for being what it is, and instead keep focusing on what it should have been. Yeah, like... Um, oh, but, I mean, I can see that, but that's not... Your neither, I didn't like either of those movies, and in neither case it's... Is it because of what you're saying? But I can see okay. I can see people going in to extremely wicked, shockingly evil and vile because they're like, oh, we're going to watch Zac Efron murder people. And part of the conceit of the movie is, no, you don't ever, uh, right. ex- except for one very brief flashback, mm. very brief. You don't actually see him commit any crimes. That's kind of the, the conceit of the movie. And I'm, I'm okay and with so, that. Yeah, I'm okay yeah. with that, too. But I can yeah. see people going in. To the movie, expecting to see some to see the kid from High School Musical chopping up people's heads or whatever, <laughs> and that's not that's not what happens. I, I think that the, I'm okay that, that they did not go that direction, mm. uh, the, but the fact that they never actually explored the why that what bugs me because I think what they did with the movie was pulling a Kaiser Soze, trying to, at least trying to like okay, this guy keeps saying that oh I didn't do it I didn't do it, and at the end he's like. Hacksaw. It's like Kaiser Soze, basically. They're like, oh, his foot, as it turns out, he you know, can actually you know, walk straight. You know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. That's all it is. It's like, okay, it's a, it's a very poor man's Kaiser Soze kind of trick to me. Except uh, we know what type of, right. we, we all know what type of <laughs> Exactly. That's, that, that's, way, that's so. the difference. Yeah. What, yeah. what was weird about this movie for me was that I, the reason I asked you guys that question is when I saw it at Sundance, I was at the premiere screening, and there was this, this weird reaction from a lot of people where some people were like, it's really good, but almost everyone said it was not what I was expecting. Mm. So that's why I'm kind of wondering if that's kind of like what's gauging the mixed reactions. For me, you know, kind of going off your point, I, I saw this more as a character drama. And what the goal that I think the filmmaker was going for, and, you know, this is my perspective on it, was to kind of showcase how charming and manipulative ted bundy was and how he was able to take lily collins character and kind of make her go along for this journey and then him going with all the other women and all these other people he met and just be so charming that they just constantly went along with it Mm. and i guess that's the aspect that i liked about it and it was also a nice departure for zach efron because i always liked him uh you know you joke about high school musical 
I, I remember like actually liking High School Musical 3 when I saw it in the theater. I thought it was, you know, again, not a great movie, but just fun. He knows what it was. And he started doing a lot of like smaller independent mm-hmm. films. Um, uh, Orson Welles one, I remember, and a couple other things. And I really kind of liked him in his early days. And then he went into the Seth, you know, I hate to bring this up, but like he went into the Seth Rogen kind of route and he was in these movies where I just felt like it was one no, one no, one no. And then that Mike and Dave needs wedding dates. Oh they my God. And the other guy who just screams all the time. Uh, At least you didn't mention that awkward moment. Oh, fuck that movie. That was a fuck very, that very movie. bad movie. Yes. Um, but like just. Yeah, he went on that that spiral, so like it was kind of refreshing to see him do something different. The other thing that was kind of weird is that I don't know, and I'm just curious to bring this up since we're talking about this movie. Why is it that Lily Collins can't catch a break? I feel like like mm. and she's maybe it's just me, but like I feel like she's really good in like almost every movie, but she just never can seem to be in the movie that kind of takes off and become a household name. And and, and she's underused in both. This one and Tokyo, in my opinion, um, especially in this one, it seems like you know I I I, I saw a logline about uh, extremely wicked, I think uh, a year ago, two years ago, and I and I thought it was gonna be told through the perspective of her, Liz, uh, but when I watched the movie, I was like Liz kept getting pushed all the way to the back to the point where she only shows up briefly every once in a while whenever. Uh, there's a denial scene or there's a crying scene whenever Ted Bundy calls her. And that's, all, that's all she shows up in. Like, oh, come on, I thought it was going to be told through her perspective. So, yeah, I agree. She just can't catch a break for some reason. Yeah, uh, That's interesting you say that because I, I actually one of the things I did like about Extremely Wicked was that I thought, I thought that she was more of, a, more of a character than I expected mm. her to be. Because apparently, apparently I mean, the movie is based on that, her, her memoirs. Yeah. Uh, so... Uh, I yeah I thought she had more of a presence in Extremely Wicked than I think you did, but uh, as far as why she can't catch a break, I don't know. The ba- main thing is I've I've finally gotten all the Emmas straight. Now <laughs> I just need to get the Lilies straight because I still have to look up which one's Lily Collins and which one's Lily James. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, you mentioned Tolkien that's coming out uh, in a few weeks. That's not gonna uh, that's not gonna help matters. Yeah, exactly. Unfortunately, for her cause. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I'll, I'll also throw my hat in the ring for Knock Down the House. Uh, And I 100% agree with your point. That movie would... I I mean, I know they're trying to do justice by showing these three other female characters and, like, you know, who honestly, like, their story, I think, is is should be a little bit more of the focal point because it's kind of like heartbreaking what happens to them. Mm -hmm. But it just... It really becomes about AOC. It's all it is. Like, it's Mm -hmm. literally... It's like, this is her. This is her. And, like, (laughs) like, they forget about those characters and you kind of, like, like... what happened? Like, they, like, open up with doing a good job of, like, dividing it up, and then all of a sudden... it belo- I mean, both of these movies, regardless how you feel about them, they they feel like Netflix is a perfect home for them. Mm. These are, I, I think we always have this discussion about where movies belong, and I feel like these two movies are, are perfectly suited for Netflix. Mm. Uh, I don't think there's either... Either one of these movies has a reason to go see them in the theater... There's not, like, engaging moments where you're going to stand up and cheer. There's nothing <laughs> special about the filmmaking, per se, where you're kind of like, yeah, I really need to be see this in the theater. Nothing about sound design, nothing. So I think they're very good fits for that. But um, one recommendation, I don't even know if this movie's still playing, but I, I, I will keep pushing this movie because I feel like it went really under the radar, and I saw this also at Toronto last year, is Hotel Mumbai. Oh, I love it. 
which uh, I just thought was just some powerful filmmaking. And I, yeah, I again, I, a lot of people go and say this quote because we all want our pull quotes and stuff. Uh, you know, Us is the most terrifying movie, best horror movie ever made. <laughs> but I can't remember the last time that I watched a non-horror film that I was so terrified by whenever like a character would walk in a room and what was going to happen. And the way that the violence is depicted in this film is just so raw and so gruesome. Like these guys just go into a room, they don't care who's there, and they just open fire. And I think And yet the movie doesn't feel as exploitative. The Right. My my the, my sort of line about Hotel Mumbai is that it's a better Paul Greengrass movie than the Paul Greengrass movie that came out last year, the twenty two July. Because yes. that I've always liked Paul Greengrass when he does these, these like United ninety three and Captain Phillips and, mm-hmm. and these sort of uh, Bloody Sunday going back uh, even further. I've liked it in twenty two July felt like a real misstep where it did feel exploitative and Hotel Mumbai as much as it is uh, it is intense and, and, <laughs> and sometimes very difficult to sit through is a much uh, more re- respectful humanistic movie I think than twenty two July I, and I think they do such a great job within that film of showing different characters and how they react. You know, and you have such a large cast in that film and everyone at one point gets spread out. And yet you still care about each one of those pockets of people. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it does a great job. You know, you were just talking about Extremely Wicked of uh, not having enough time focus on certain people. This one, I feel like, has enough focus on every single one that they all feel like their own complete stories. And you can see why each one of them is terrified of the situation that they're in. And um, I agree. I agree with all the points that you just said, both of you. Uh, and to add a little more, that uh, the violence, at least in Hotel Mumbai, for me, it makes me uh, abhor or hate ter- violence and terrorism. Like if, if, if when I see that, I was like, wow, the things that humans do to each other—that's insane. You know, that's that's the, the thoughts that cross my my mind. Yeah. yeah. No, I completely agree. All right, now we're going to move into our uh, summer movie preview. Uh, Rama, we'll start with you this time. Give us three titles that you're looking forward to. I was, to. uh, yeah, I was looking at my phone here. Um, definitely Dora the Explorer. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna be like, what? <laughs> uh, uh, my top one, the top three, uh, Hobbs and Shaw. Uh, I, I know, I know, it's probably cheesy, <laughs> right, you guys, but, but uh, the trailer looks so much fun. It's one of those, uh, and I'm, I'm a, uh, a Fast and Furious franchise to me is a guilty pleasure, and one of those, you know, like I gotta just watch it just for the hell of it. I'm gonna leave my brains in the car. <laughs> you definitely are. Yeah, exactly. There is no way you can think in that movie. And the other one uh, from another genre, Child's Play, the new one, because uh, I'm curious to see how Mark Hamill. Uh, to come the the torch from uh, Brad Dorif. Brad Dorif, yeah. yeah. So uh, we'll see whether he's gonna emulate that voice or not. I'm curious about that part, and uh, of course the, the the new Chucky and how they're gonna uh-huh. put a new spin to him. So um, and uh, the I think the the next one is probably The Lion King for me. Uh, mm-hmm. It's one of my favorite childhood movies, and it's it. I don't know. Let me ask you guys: Is is it still a live action when it's all CG? I don't get it. I don't think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't. How is it live action? It's gonna be motion capture, right? <laughs> I, There's no I don't even know if it is motion capture. I think, but but basically, they. My understanding is they essentially built the world of the film in in VR. Okay. And then John Favreau kind of directed it from within 
VR in terms of shot choice and and uh, uh, who's I think Caleb Deschanel is the cinematographer. It's all like sort of virtual cinematography. Yeah, uh, but would you call it live action though? Uh, I wouldn't. Uh, yeah, but that, it is being billed as that. But I don't even think his Jungle Book was live action. You had like one live oh, action I know, character. I know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, you can call that hybrid. Fine. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, but I, yeah, John, I mean, John Favreau is a director that I'm uh, always curious to see what what he's. I'm a, big, do. I'm a big fan of his Jungle Book, so I think uh, I, I have high hopes for Lion King. Um, not too much about Aladdin, the other uh, live-action Disney movie, but Lion King, that's my third one. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. How about for you? Okay, so uh, I'm going <laughs> to run through three, uh, and then I'm also going to recommend three. Cause okay, some, go for some it, tiny go movies. for it, go for so, it. So if we're considering May, the summer now, John yes. Wick 3, uh, I mean, that's my... that That's, your that's my Star Wars. Okay. John Wick, I, I'm going to be there uh, for John Wick. Um, I also, I, I, I can't, I, I don't know how, I don't care how film bro or, or, uh, or cliche it is. <laughs> I'm always going to be there for a new Tarantino movie. So once upon a time oh, in Hollywood, yes. I'm very much looking forward to. And then the third one, deep summer, August is always a weird month, It is, it, but it always is. it tends to have some gems and, uh, 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 so sort of, uh, below the radar one I'm looking forward to is where'd you go Bernadette, which is the new Richard Linklater oh. movie that, um, is I think, finally coming out, uh, <laughs> you know, cause it's been scheduled to push back a number of times, which makes me a little worried. Uh, not lie. <laughs> yeah, but sometimes, you know, people don't know what they have and mm-hmm. it ends up being, being good. Um, so I'm looking forward to all of, of those. And then I'm going to recommend a few, uh, uh, that I that I have seen, um, although I'm drawing. Oh, okay. So uh, uh, I'll start with uh, a final LA Film Fest 2018 <laughs> RIP LA Film Fest recommendation, and this one is not for everyone. A very weird comedy called Ooh. Deep Murder. Um, I don't know if you oh, saw I didn't it. See there. that one out there. Yeah, Deep Murder that. is a sort of locked house Agatha Christie murder mystery that takes place within the world of a 1990s softcore Cinemax movie. Oh. Uh, so um, it's very funny. It is very, very strange, uh, and but occasionally just insanely hilarious. And the, the uh, just for the dedication alone, to make a feature that that adheres to the to the to those rules uh, is insane. Um, another um, another movie uh, that I saw at Sundance um, this year was called The Mountain, um, and it's uh, Ty Sheridan and Jeff Goldblum. It has uh, mm. um, Ty Sheridan. It, it takes place in the late 1940s, sort of Northern California. Ty Sheridan's father dies. Jeff Goldblum, uh, who is the uh, he's a traveling um, lobotomist. He goes from mental institution to mental institution performing lobotomies, and he hires wow. Ty Sheridan to be his his driver. Uh, the, I gotta see that. The twist is that Jeff Goldblum is the Lobotomist that lobotomized Ty Sheridan's mother. Um, <laughs> it's uh, it's from uh, and now I'm suddenly drawing a blank on his name. But the guy who made entertainment and the comedy, um, I, I can't oh, remember his Rick, name. Rick something. Uh, Alverson. Yes, yes. Yes. Rick Alverson. Um, and if you haven't liked his movies in the past, this one is <laughs> this one is probably the most accessible of his movies so far. But that's not saying much. His movies. Are not accessible. They are uh, they are an acquired taste that I have very much uh, acquired in the mountain. Especially, I feel like Jeff Goldblum has become sort of self memeified. Like he's Jeff Goldblum, and here is it's sort of uh, the reminder. It's sort of like you know, twenty years ago, everyone was doing like in the you know Christopher Walken. It was so funny to do a Christopher Walken impression. Then he like was in Catch Me If You Can, and just it was a reminder. Like, yeah, this guy can act. Yeah, and the mountain is like that for Jeff Goldblum. It's like this isn't just a goofball who dances and 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 hits on ladies. He he can he can actually 
uh, act. And then the third one I'm going to recommend, I hope this is, if I have my way, this will be the biggest money earner of the year. Scott, I believe you saw it at Sundance, Blinded by the Light. Oh. It is so great. I want to give you a shout out right now. So, <laughs> I have, again, thank you studios for putting me in trailers and posters and everything. I really, really appreciate it. But I do want to say, and this, I think you guys need to do a little bit of better job when it comes to marketing movies sometimes is going against the grain and actually going into people who really, really like love movies and uh, are different different sites than like the same 10 sites to pull from. David Bax absolutely loved Blinded by the Light. <laughs> Our friend Steven Saito, who also was at Sundance, loved Bl- Blinded by the Light. And I was so sad that neither one of you were quoted in the trailer. Oh. And I'm just, and I'm just, and I'm just, because I, I, rem- I, I remembered, I just remembered talking to you afterwards and talking to him afterwards. And you guys had that movie so high up there yeah. that I was just really hoping that they would give you a little bit of love. Sorry, I'm just, well, I, when it comes to things like this, I, I'm always, you know, I'm very thankful for all I've gotten. But at the same time, I'm all about kind of spreading the love around a little bit, you know. And uh, I think it, it, you guys did such dyna- uh, dynamite reviews for this oh, movie and you. really sold this movie to people who haven't seen it that, yes, sorry. Yeah, but it's um, like when I was talking with the Wild Rose and Farley with my family. It's another British kind of kind of maybe predictable in a way inspirational story. But it's so personal and so heartfelt. And I, I mean, I... Uh, I cried more during Blinded by the Light than people are talking about crying at Endgame. I, I was oh. <laughs> I was so emotional during all of Blinded by the Light. It's so great, and it's such a great uh, return to form for uh, uh, Grinder Chada, uh, who made uh, Bandit like Beckham uh, more than fifteen years, almost twenty years ago at, at this point. Um, and not that she's been, you know, sitting idle, but th- this is, I think, the best movie she's made since then. But I, don't we have that Danny Boyle, too, about the Beatles yesterday? Yesterday, okay. which I was going to bring up, yeah. Oh, yeah, I was thinking, yeah. Ahead, but, yeah. No, but I, I mean, I, I have to talk about this Blinded by the Light yeah, movie, like. because I come from New Jersey. <laughs> Two things come from New Jersey, okay? Bon Jovi the and, Bruce Spring, and Bruce Springsteen, yeah, all right? Boss. The Sopranos. And, you got the Sopranos. Well, well, the Sopranos. <laughs> Come on, that's not ingrained. That, that's that's a great great pick, no no doubt. And I love my Sopranos, but like uh-huh. things that I was like raised on, oh, actively okay. raised on. Um, and to see this kind of movie, and what I think is so great about it is is that it's it's really like unknowns again, and it's you know it's not something that's going to change the game. But the amount of emotion and passion you feel that went into this movie is unfreaking believable. Like the love, and how, I mean, were you there at the premiere of this? Where no. she went? Well, she went on this story about how she asked Bruce Springsteen and how like she's been such a big fan and how she set, you know sat him down to actually screen the film and she was so nervous about screening it. It's just someone who loves something so deeply and has impacted her life so much to kind of create that passion and turn it into something that I feel like is so relatable for all audiences worldwide. This is a worldwide film. This is not just like, hey, you love Bruce Springsteen. It's for everyone. And I think that's what sets it apart. And I I cannot recommend it enough, too. And I mean, you guys did such a great job, you and Stephen, of like really selling this movie. Um you know, kind of going off Rama's point again. 
Again, Tyson Music, same with Blind by Light. I love movies about music. That movie about the Beatles, where the the music disappears, <laughs> uh, directed by Dan, Dan, Danny Boyle, right? Yeah. Um, starring Lily James and uh, the unknown actor who's going to be in the title role. Um, literally looking forward to this. It, it just it's just sold me right from the from the get go. Looks like it's emotional. Um, Unfortunately, David, I'm sorry to tell you this. I think yesterday is going to make more money than Blinded by the Light. <laughs> I, I'm sorry I'm to say, in a perfect I, world, I, in a perfect world, <laughs> I agree. They'd be neck and neck, and they would both, you know, do very well. Um, and they tie for best picture. That's right, and they tie for best picture. <laughs> and then, keeping in the the spirit of music, of course, I'm excited for Rocket Man. Yeah. Um, you know, Taron Egerton, I think, you know, he's kind of had a little bit of a rough patch. You know, he started off really strong with the first Kingman, Kingsman movie, and then he did the second one, and uh, I loved him in Eddie the Eagle, and then he did Robin Hood, and so it's like, he's on that <laughs> oh, roller you're forgetting co- Legend, starring Tom Hardy and Tom Hardy. Oh, <laughs> we don't talk about Legend, <laughs> and neither does Tom Hardy. <laughs> Tom Hardy. <laughs> Literally, I could. I remember seeing that in Toronto. I could not understand half the movie. <laughs> like it, like had balls in his mouth or something. I don't know. Like the entire time, I, I didn't like Legend. No, but yeah, I mean, he's a roller coaster, and I'm hoping that you know, Elton John kind of signed off on this movie. He's he's getting really behind the movie, so I'm hoping that it's good, and I'm hoping that it doesn't create some sort of backlash that it seems like the last couple of musical biopics have had. I'm hoping that people will just embrace it and that they do a great job of telling the story. Really looking forward to it. Um, I'm actually just going to recommend a bunch of smaller movies, surprisingly, as well. Um, Olivia Wilde's uh, directorial debut, Booksmart, comes out this month. Uh, Cannot say enough good things about this movie. Uh, Beanie Feldstein and Caitlin Deenver. um, Just great chemistry between the two. Um, you know, a lot of people are making comparisons to like Bridesmaids or Superbad. Uh, I think, in my humble opinion, this is a better movie than both those films mm. um, because it really focuses on the relationship and really builds the characters without ha- well, while there are some, some hijinks and stuff like that. I love that it's character driven first and it's all about their relationship as opposed to like, oh, what's going to happen to them next? Like, which I feel like was such the big pull with. Both Superbad and Bridesmaids was all about the sight gags in those movies. With this one, it's very much about the relationships and also just about these characters grow. In in the span of, I think, 24 hours that this movie takes place, you actually see these characters grow and learn things about themselves and also the those people around them who they were judged, you know, they judged. So I, I cannot recommend this movie enough. Um, another one that I wanted to uh, point out was Late Night with Mindy Kaling. Um, I wouldn't say that I'm as like in love with this movie as some people are. Um, I-, I watched it. I really enjoyed it. I actually sat next to Jason Blum nice. during this movie, and he really loved it. I mean, he was just like, ah! like I was like amazed. Like I was going to keep looking over him because he could never stay off his phone, but he was like off his phone the entire movie. He was really uh, engaged. <laughs> Um, I mean, Emma Thompson is fantastic in the film. Uh, talk about a movie that's that's made perfectly for this generation. I think Late Night is totally it. Um, and Mindy Kaling, always have loved her, whether it's 
office or the Mindy Project or Champions. I just I really want to champion Mindy Kaling because she's just she's so delightful and she breaks down molds and I I, I just really. Uh, love her so i it's not like this is not like a 10 out of 10 movie for me like perfect perfection but it's a really good feel-good comedy that has a lot of relevance to today so i can recommend this a lot my favorite movie of the year personally right now and this came as a total shock because i wasn't going to see it at sundance uh and this is always what i love about sundance is when after you leave sundance you reflect back at sundance in a couple months later or at the end of the year and you always realize that no matter how weak you think the year was, there's always at least one or two movies that come out of there mm-hmm. that you absolutely love and will be on your top ten list at the end of the year. Uh, for me, that movie, I think, is going to be The Farewell. Okay. I, haven't, I didn't see that one. Yeah. And I, I just... Uh, this is Aquafina, a nice um, uh, change of pace for her. And instead of like being over the top and wacky, like I'm so used to seeing her, whether it's Ocean's 8 or um, uh, what was the other? Crazy Rich Asians, where you know you're so over the top. This is a, one where it gets to showcase her, um, you know, her dramatic side, but also plays through the comedy as well. Um, just a wonderful story about family and appreciating life. And you know, again, half this movie is in subtitles, but it does not take away from the effectiveness for those who are afraid of subtitles. <laughs> you know, it does not take away from the effectiveness of the storytelling. Um, and A24 got to pick this this bad boy awesome. up, and I, I think this is going to be uh, one of the sleeper hits of the summer. So um, we have to wrap. I'm getting the, the call right now to wrap <laughs> up. Um, you know, I, I want to say that I really uh, enjoyed this episode. I think we you, there's nice variety here. Um, so once again, let's just start with David. Go around the room um, and uh, say where they can find you and how they can check out all your work. So you can find my reviews and stuff, uh, including my terrific Blended by the Light review, yes. uh, at BattleshipPretension.com. And you can follow me on Twitter at Davey Pretension. And uh, you can find me uh, or follow or subscribe uh, to my YouTube channel, YouTube.com slash Ramascreen1. And follow me on Twitter. Rama screen with two S. <laughs> and you can find me at Twitter and Instagram at the other Scott M. You can go to WeLiveEntertainment.com where you can find my written reviews and interviews. Uh, I do actually have to post uh, my Detective Pikachu review today and also an uh, interview that I did with um, uh, Dion Taylor for The Intruder. So uh, check that out later this weekend. And uh, until next week, uh, we're going to be talking about... Uh, I probably won't be be back next week, uh, but we're going to be talking about Detective Pikachu, which I don't know if you guys feel this way, but I feel like we can always predict what the movie pick of the week is. So I'm going to predict <laughs> that De- Detective Pikachu. Spoiler alert, it might be the movie pick of the week. Uh, we'll see. Um, I'd be surprised if it isn't, but you know, uh, we never know. Um, but we're going to be back next week talking about Detective Pikachu, and uh, I don't know. We'll figure that out. So, so stay tuned. Uh, thank you again for watching. Uh, leave us a comment, like us on Twitter, Facebook, and uh, see you next week. Bye. From producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Popcorn Talk Network or its owners or principals.